It's his truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the reason we do that, and I like to mention it every once in a while, is not because I thought Joel Osteen did it and it was cool. The reason we do it is because we do stand on his word. His word is what counts. It's not our opinion. It's not what we think. It's what God's word says. And so as a people, as an individual, as a church, we're going to stand on God's word, and that's going to be the final authority in our lives. Amen? Well, we're going to be talking today about uncommon love. This is a one-off message, and I do want to tell you next week we're going to be starting a series called Love Storm, and you're not going to want to miss next Sunday because I've got a surprise for some of you, so you need to make sure you're here, okay? So go ahead and make plans next week to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun over the next few weeks, but today we're talking about uncommon love. And God talks about love a lot in the Bible, obviously. We, we recognize that people know that we're Christians by how we treat each other, our love for one another. The founding principle of the entire Bible, the reason that Jesus even came to this planet is God's love for us. But there's something different that has to go on because the mark of your life, the greatest attribute that you have should be your love. It's the differentiator between us and the rest of the world. The love of God in us, and not just in us, but flowing through us to other people. That should be the thing that marks you, and that is not a common thing, is it? It's not a common thing. As a matter of fact, just think for a second. If someone was to describe you in two or three words, would love be one of the words that they use to describe you? Think about that. Would they say compassionate? Would they say caring? Would they say a pain in the rear? I mean, what exactly would it be that would describe you as an attribute? Or think of it this way. What if you were to pass away today and there was a tombstone? What would be written on the tombstone? I mean, would it be he was a great Razorback fan? (laughs) Or would there actually be something there that had more meaning to it? Something like loving father caring mother what would it be if you were to sum your life up because the truth is at the end of the day that's what really matters if we were to boil you down what would be left what would be left the reality is we should have a love inside of us that's not common it's not what we see in the world I'm going to make a statement here and I want you to write this down or at least think about it okay here's the truth that I want to share with you today that everything else we're going to talk about revolves around listen here we go you cannot give what you do not have you cannot give what you do not have if love is not living inside of you you can't give it if it doesn't live here there isn't anything in your life that you have that you can give if it's not resident inside of you you can't give knowledge that you don't have you have to have that knowledge to be able to pass it on you know I went to the doctor this week I was starting to feel bad and I usually don't it's very rare that I get sick it's been a couple of years but man I was feeling bad and and I don't know if you guys have been around Pam at all but she Lysol's everything and and I mean literally like if I cough you know there's this fog of Lysol that starts happening so she kicked me out of the office. I went down. They gave me shots. I, I love going to the doctor. I don't even know what they gave me. I kind of like being at a cell barn. I just walk through, and they're just hitting me with stuff. So, but I'm pretty sure I don't have worms anymore. I don't know what that was all about. But 
Anyway, they were giving me shots and everything else. And before I left, I said, hey, am I contagious? And she said, yeah, you're contagious right now. You need to make sure you limit the amount of time you're around people. Don't be hugging on and kissing on people. I said, okay, got it. Why? Because if I couldn't give what I didn't have. But the fact that I had that sickness meant I could give it to other people. But in the same way, in a positive way, you can't give love if it's not living in here. And the kind of love that God wants us to share with people is not a common kind of love. Look at your scripture today. We're going to be reading out of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I typically don't do this, but I'm reading out of the message today. You can read out of whatever version you have. The reason I'm reading out of this one is because it's going to elaborate a little bit and allow me to explain some things to you. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. He says this, so here's what I want you to do. It's about God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life. In other words, take the life that you're living right now, what you do every day, going to school, working on chicken houses, cutting hair, working at the gym, whatever it is you do day in and day out, Take that and place it before God as an offering. Take your life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's wisdom, isn't it? Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from where? The outside in or the inside out? The inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I thought that was amazing when I read that because what that talks about is making our life a living sacrifice, laying our life down regardless, Jack, of what we're doing, giving everything that we have to God every day and allowing him to love people through us. It's not just when we do an event. It's not just when we teach a class. It's not just when we come to church. Our lives should be a living testimony to the love of God every single day. Regardless of where you are. You've heard me say this probably a hundred times. But your life is a signpost. Your life is a billboard. What is it saying? What is it saying? Let me put it to you this way. If I didn't know you were a Christian and I spent an hour around you, would I know you're a Christian when I wasn't around you anymore? I'm not saying that to be convicting to you, but I am saying that, that it should be evident. You should be different. The love that's in your life should be uncommon, not like what the world has. And you think, well, Pastor, I I don't know how to do that. Some of you, when I start talking about that, you might even tense up a little bit and you're like, dude, I'm mean. You know, some of you, it may not be your personality. You know, you feel like you've got excuses for why you're not that way. But I want you to understand something. That's not the reality of who you should be. Because if you're living your life, and look at this, think about this, sacrifice to God, he's going to live in you and through you. Regardless of your job. Regardless of your job. Because let me just say this, your job does not define you. 
Your job does not define you. Your job is not who you are. Your job, you're, you're defined by how you are. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> Your job does not define who you are. It's how you are that matters. Think about it. What is your signpost? What is your life saying? And I think we need to think about that in our lives. Let's look at John 3.16 for a minute. Most famous verse in the Bible. But I'm going to break some things down for you before I start talking about some tools for you today. But we're, I'm going to call this the 3.16 principle. John 3.16 I'm reading out of the NIV. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We've heard that verse. If you've grown up in church at all or you've ever been to a church, they probably use that verse. It's the most power, in my opinion, the most powerful verse in the Bible. But there's some points here that you need to understand about this John 3.16 principle that are important. Here's the first one. If I look at John 3.16, I see this. God's love is accessible. God's love is accessible. You might use the word available. What that means is God's love is available to who? For God so loved the world. Does that mean are you in the world? That's everybody. God's love is available to everybody regardless of where you came from. How you grow up, the color of your skin, it doesn't matter. God's love is available to everyone. And that is good news. Isn't that good news? Both of you agree with that. Thank you, Bobby. (laughs) I think that's good news. That it's available to everyone. Let's look at the second point. I love this one. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. You cannot earn God's love. You just have to receive God's love. And that's hard for a lot of people. Because in life, many of us try to earn God's love. And it's because of maybe how we were brought up. Maybe the environment we were in, the only way you received anything is if you earned it. I mean, we're even taught in our culture, you don't get anything unless you earn it. And so, it's hard for some people to come to Christ because they feel like, well, once I'm good enough, then I'll come to Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Once I, I'll clean my act up and then I'll go to church. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not good enough to come to Jesus. That's a lie the devil tells us and many of us believe it. But you need to understand today, God's love is unconditional. Have you ever seen how kids interact? Just that level of faith they walk around with? And you can see why Jesus would use children as an example of faith. They would just come to Jesus. I bet kids just loved him. Because of the reception there. And his love is absolutely unconditional. Amen? Let's look at the next point. God's love is sacrificial. Now I'm going to camp out here for a second because this is important. God's love is sacrificial. God loved the world so much that he gave. And he just didn't give a little bit. He gave everything to us. And you need to understand today, how many of you would say that there's been people in your life that said, I love you, but there really wasn't any evidence of that? I mean, it was just lip service. I I love you, but there was nothing there that backed it up. But I want you to understand something today. True love 
costs something. True love is sacrificial. That means someone is sacrificing for the other party. And God's love is completely sacrificial. You need to get that. And in the relationships that you have with each other and other people that you're around, you need to understand that true love is sacrifice. In other words, true love is not selfish. True love is looking out for other people's needs instead of our own. True love is about others, not about ourselves. And the way a church works or a family works or a marriage works best is when you're trying to outserve each other. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you give. And that's going to cost you something. Why? Because true love sacrifices. And God showed us that in Jesus Let's look at the next point. I love this one. God's love is personal. For God so loved who? The world and everyone. And here's the deal. You know what I like to do a lot of times when I'm looking at scripture, not just this one, but other scripture, is put my name in there. For God so loved Chris that he gave his only begotten son. Because God's love is personal. It's not general. It's specific. God loves you. Right where you are, regardless of what you've done, his love is personal. And that is good news. He can receive us right where we are. And he loves us right where we are. Let's look at the next point, And I'll finish this up. God's love is acceptable or accepting. God loves, God's love accepts us right where we are. That's a huge point, guys. When you, become, when you come to the point where you're just willing to come to God as you are, you've really reached a milestone in your life. Bringing him yourself right where you are with all your spots, all your baggage, everything you are, just coming to him and allowing him to take you where you are, it's an awesome thing. You know, I've told you my testimony, but I was thinking about it yesterday. That at the time that I was seeking God in my life and really trying to find if God was there or not. And the Holy Spirit really spoke to me and he said these words to me. He said, I'll never leave you. What was interesting is that's not what I asked him. I just wanted to know if he was there. Remember saying, God, are you there? Just show me. God, just show me something. You know, show me an eclipse. Do something. I just wanted to know that God was there. And, and that's not even really the question. Because when he showed up and the power of his presence showed up, he said these words to me, my spirit. He said, I will never leave you. And I've held on to that in some of the hardest points in my life. And I want to tell you something. When you're scared or you're lost or you feel alone, knowing that somebody's looking for you, is a big deal. Knowing that you're not going to be left alone is a big deal. And God's love accepts us where we are. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Everybody else might, but God won't. Amen? Look at 1 John 4, <clears throat> excuse me, 9 through 12 and 16 and 19. I love this section of scripture. I think it's so amazing. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how God shows his love. Check this out. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Circle this next sentence in your notes. This is love. 
If you want to know what love looks like, check this out. This is what he's saying. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, as payment for our sins, he sent Jesus. That's what love looks like. Said, so if you want to know what God or what love looks like, look at what God did. That shows you what true love looks like. And why is that important? Because when you look at the people around you in our life, the common love that's out there is not what real love is. We're talking about an uncommon love, and this is what uncommon love does it sacrifices and it gives. And that's exactly what God is showing us here. Dear friends, he says, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. I love that. Notice, it's not just about God loving us. It's about how we treat each other. How do you treat each other? How do we treat each other? Interesting. No one has ever seen God, but watch this. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us, and we love because he first loved us. I'm going to give you a secret today. This is one of those tools. You know, every week I like to give you tools for life, so when you walk out of here, you've got some tools to handle the situations of life that are going to come up. The secret of love is first being loved by God. The secret of love is first being loved by God. Listen to this, y'all. This is important. You can't give what you don't have, right? We recognize that as a truth. So the secret of love is this. We have to allow the love of God to be in us and fill us and love through us. And that is the secret. But if you're not willing to allow God to do that, you're not going to be able to give any of it away. You have to allow what we talked about in that first section of Scripture, Romans 12, to sacrifice your life to God and let him fill you up. Think of it this way. How many of you like free refills at the, at the restaurant? You like re- free refills? Think about that in your life. Imagine that your cup is God's love being filled up. When you get low, you just run up to that fountain and what? You get a free refill. Because you can't give what you don't have. But the reality is this. Jesus said, look, I'm going to paraphrase. You don't have to go to the fountain to refill. I'll fill you up right where you are. That river of life flowing out of us right where we are is uncommon. It's not typical. It's not what the world sees. It's what God sees in us. People are hard to love sometimes, aren't they? People are hard to love. Anybody have some hard people to love in your life? Dennis, I knew you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Listen to me, here's a key right here. Your first step towards loving other people is not trying to love them, it's drawing closer to God. I'll say that again. Your first step towards loving other people, especially people that are difficult to love, is you drawing close to God. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more of his love that's going to get on you and in you. So the key is not, I've decided I'm going to love this person 
you know, and then you put all this effort towards doing it. The key is drawing close to Jesus and allowing his love to be with you and fill you and love people through you. So it's not about your effort towards loving other people. It's about becoming more like Christ. You know, I've noticed something dealing with sheep. I actually was dealing with some of our sheep this week. And, and, and they run around. And, and sheep, I don't know, they're not real smart. Because what happens is if they can't see the other one, even if it's standing right behind them, they think it's lost. It can be five feet away. And they have voices. I've learned sheep have voices. You know, there's different tones they use. And, and the other night, I don't know what time it was, but they're outside, bah, bah, bah. And I know what they're doing. Where you at? <laughs> Where are you at? <laughs> so I go out with a flashlight. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> you are there. They are there. And I walk back inside. <laughs> we do that in life, though, don't we? And I want to just tell you that the answer to almost any challenge that you face, but in particular, when it comes to uncommon love, is staying close to the shepherd. It's staying close to Jesus. Because the closer you stay to him, the more of his power and his presence is going to be in you. Because what happens with those sheep is they end up wandering off. They're not paying attention. And they end up wandering off. And the next thing you know, they look up and they look around and they're all alone. And I see people do it in life all the time. They don't mean to get lost. They weren't trying to get lost. But one step at a time. And then they look up one day and they're all alone. But I love that scripture in the Bible where it calls Jesus the good shepherd. And he goes and he looks for his sheep. I was challenged this week with being a good shepherd. I had to go to a meeting. I was leading a Bible study this week and I was on my way to the meeting, and I drive down the road, and there's the sheep standing out in the middle of the road. What's up, Daddy? You know, they're just like waving at me. And I'm like, I am going to be late. And I thought, let them all die. You know, I mean, that was my thought. (laughs) That's not a very good shepherd, is it? But here's what happened. I was watching them, but no, they didn't stay in the road. They went running down a side road. So I'm like, you know, I'm just like. All ready for my Bible study, you know. And and I pull up, and y'all, if I'm lying, I'm dying. The Holy Spirit said, what kind of shepherd are you going to be? What kind of shepherd are you going to be? And so I pulled over, turned around, went back, grabbed a bucket of feed. Went up there, shook the bucket of feed, put them in, and made it to my meeting on time. Why? Why? Because sometimes we get lost and somebody needs to come find us and help us. And I love the fact that God's love is that way. But, but he doesn't even get mad at us. He just has compassion on us and sees us in our lostness and comes and finds us. And I don't know about you, there's some times in my life that I would have written me off. And when I turned around, Jesus was standing right there. Why? Because his love is uncommon. It's not like the love that we have for each other. It's greater than that. 
And we need that kind of love in our own lives. Amen? So I want to give you an idea of what God's love looks like. This is what God's love looks like. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love does not envy. God's love does not boast. God's love is not proud. God's love does not dishonor others. That's an interesting comment. God's love is not self-seeking. God's love is not easily angered. God's love, look at this, this is good news. God's love does not keep a record of wrongs. God's love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. God's love always protects. Look at that. God's love always protects. God's love always trusts. God's love always hopes. God's love always perseveres. God never gives up on you. When everybody else gives up on you, God does it. When everyone else has turned their back on you, God doesn't. Love, God's love never fails. And patience. Yep. And tell you when you did it wrong, show you when you do right. That's right. And God's love, the same kind of love that he has, is supposed to be in us. So as I read that list today, I want you to just take a second and look at your life. You can read down that list right there and say, are there areas in my life where I have some of these attributes, but there are some of these attributes that I don't have? There are some of these things in my life that are lacking. So the question is, how do I get them? How do I get this kind of love? How do I get to the place where God's love lives in me like this? Because here's the truth, guys. This is the kind of love not only that we can have, but we should have. This is the kind of love that we should have. The answer is the same. Drawing close to Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, not just during the week, I mean, excuse me, on Sundays or Wednesdays, but during the week, you need to spend time with God. You need to allow his love to begin to fill you and change you from the inside out. Because this is our job description, guys. This is who we're supposed to be. So here's another thing I want you to look at here, and I love this. Now, I was studying this week in my my leadership, my master's class, and we were talking about the difference between motivation and manipulation. The difference between motivation and manipulation. And I want you to understand something about God because some of you have grown up in relationships where you are manipulated. Okay? There were times in your life that people manipulated you. And here's the deal. Here's how you tell the difference between manipulation and motivation. It's about the heart of the person that's leading in that situation. It's about the heart. What is their motive? What is their motive? Is their motive selfish? Or is their motive for your good? Say that again. Is their motive selfish or is their motive for your good? And some of you need to get this today. Some of you are going through some challenging times in your life. But you need to understand this very, very clearly. God's love for you is perfect. 
And whatever challenge it is you're facing, whatever challenge it is you're going through, you need to understand that God's motive behind this is to make you a better person, to make you the kind of person that he wants you to be. So some of the challenges that you deal with in life, some of the challenging people you deal with in life, God allows them to come around because he's trying to shape himself on the inside of you. And he's using those people and those situations to do that. Some of the most, (laughs) some of the people that have frustrated me the most in my life have been some of the people that have been best for me. I'll say that again. Some of the people that have frustrated me the most in my life have also been some of the people that have been the best for me. And let me tell you why. The Bible says iron sharpens iron like one man sharpens another. That means there's friction. And some of the relationships that you have in your life, there's friction there. But you need to understand, God's motive is to use those relationships to make you better, to make you look more like Jesus. And you need people in your life like that. You understand? Why? Because God's motive is always for your best. God's motive is perfect. So what is the secret of showing God's love to other people. What is that? Look at your notes. It says, the secret of love is showing God's love to other people. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? How do I show God's love to other people? Anybody know what a love handle is? I mean, don't, don't grab it. But I mean, you know, y'all, y'all know what a love handle I'm actually using this term as a different type of love handle. But what I'm going to give you today, these are extremely practical tools for some things you can start today to help you show God's love to other people. This is a pretty good list. So I want you to keep this list, all right? So look at number one on love handles. Here's the first love handle I'm going to give you today. The first thing you need to do is say it. Say it. The most powerful words in the English language are, I love you. The most powerful words in the English language are, I love you. Now listen. It's usually easier for ladies to say that than guys, right? It's usually easier for ladies to say that than guys. But I want to tell you something. After I've gotten to know you a while, and if I really care about you and love you, I'm going to say, hey, I love you, man. I mean, you know, I don't want to go on a date with you, but I love you, you know? (laughs) And I want to tell you the reason that I've learned to say that. I want to tell you the reason I've done Because many of us grew up in life, or some of you may have grown up in life, where you never heard that. You never heard that. I know my dad grew up in a family, four brothers. My, my granddad was a master carpenter. There was more testosterone in that, that house than the Dallas Cowboys have. I mean, but, but I remember recently my dad talking to me saying he grew up most of his life and no one ever told him they loved him. And it's not healthy. It's not right. And some of you are like, man, I don't want to be all wishy-washy and start telling people I love them. And You know, let me tell you something. There is nothing wrong with that. And you need to tell people. You need to begin to tell people in your life that you love. You need to tell them that you love them. You need to reach out and say, man, I love you. I care about you. I care about what happens to you. You know, if you got to work yourself up to it, that's all right. Anybody got emoticons? You know what I'm talking about, emoticons? 
<laughs> I had a guy this week I was talking to on my cell phone, and, and I was sending stuff, and I'm learning to use these emoticons, you know, and, and I don't know this guy real well. We're just starting to get to know each other, and, and I was going to send him an emoticon. Well, I didn't really look at how my emoticons were laid out. Apparently, there's a theory of how all these things work, and so I hit the little emoticon button. I thought I was sending the smiley face. It was the eye the hearty one, the one that's got the little face with the, you know, that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't send it, <laughs> but I almost sent it. And I was like, oh, I literally was shuddering when I saw it. Oh, oh. I sent it to Clint, but I'm not sending that around, you know. I mean, that's not one of those. You know, I was thinking, oh, that pastor, mm-hmm. You know, I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but work yourself up to it. You know, if you can't really say love, guys, I mean, if you're learning that, just say, hey, I, you know. <laughs> you know, give yourself a little time. Just ease into it. Your kids need to hear it. People around you need to hear it. You know, the greatest thing my dad, I remember growing up, it was a long time before my dad said to me he loved me. Why? Not because he didn't. I knew he did, but because of what he grew up in. It's only been in the last recent years that, that I'll be talking to him and say, son, I love you. I'm proud of you. That means more to me than anything. That's the greatest gift he can give me. When I talk to my dad and he just says, son, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. Just proud of what you guys are doing. That changes everything for me. And some of you need to start doing that for those around you. Okay? Send the little, you know, whatever, whatever's good for you, okay? So say it. Here's the second thing. I like this. Write it. Write it. So what do you mean? Text it. Email it. Write a letter. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you how important this is. A couple of weeks ago, there was, there was an individual in my life a few years ago that caused me a lot of pain. I mean, there was a lot of pain. I learned a lot from them, but they caused me a lot of pain. And, and I don't know why they were really on my mind a couple of weeks ago. And, and I really felt the Holy Spirit say, you know what? You need to write them a note and you need to thank them for some of these things they planted in your life. Some of y'all are going, has he sent me a note lately? Because I'm, no, it wasn't any of y'all. And so I sat down. I really didn't want to do it. But I sat down and I began to write and type out some of the things this person had helped me with. And I want to tell you, this person caused me a lot of pain. And I began to type some things and write some things out. And, And before I got done, I was literally weeping. I mean, I almost ruined my iPad. <laughs> but I was, I was weeping. And I sent it off to them. The same day they responded to me. And they said, you made my day. Thank you. And I want to tell you, when I wrote that out and I sent that, and I was just thanking them, because they had, they, they put some neat things in my life. And I began to thank them. What happened is, I started getting free. And I started you know, appreciating them. I was really honestly thankful for some of these things they had done. And it began to change my attitude towards that person. 
And I want to tell you right now, there's some of y'all like, man, I'm no good on the phone. You may not be able to say I love you yet, but you can write it. It's L-O-V-E. And I want to tell you something. I have a note from a business or from a ministry that I worked for, it's been like 12 or 15 years ago. And as I had resigned from my position and Trish and I were getting ready to move on, there was somebody in that organization that had written me about a page and a half letter. I still have it. And occasionally I read it. And, and the gentleman that wrote this said a, a one little sentence in there that I remember, and he said this, he said, tell Chris I trust him with my people. Tell him I trust him with my people. He wrote that to me, and it still makes a difference in my life today. And some of you may write something and and give it to your kids, give it to your wife, give it to those you work with, and just tell them how much you appreciate them, how much you love them. You have no idea the difference it'll make. They may hold on to it for years, and when they go through a trying time, they may pull that up and go, I remember that. And it can change them. Write it. Here's the third love handle. Give it. Give it. What are you practically doing to show people that you love them? You can tell somebody you love them all day long, but if there's no evidence of it, there's nothing to it. Right? I mean, if there's no practical, I love you, I love you too, hugs, kisses, you know, but there's nothing there. What are you practically doing to show people around them that you love them? You know, I mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago, the wife said, hey, my husband said he would die for me. She said, I don't want him to die for me. I want him to take out the trash. But that's a, that's a reality for many of us. We just need people to show us that they love us. Charles, you know, I appreciate Charles getting up here and saying, hey, Pastor, we love you. We're going to pray for you. That was awesome. Of course, it makes me nervous. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I thought it was great, you know. But the reality is we need to show people practically that we love them. What are you doing to show the people around you that you care? Talk is what? Cheap. But actions speak louder than words. Are you showing people that you love them? Here's the next one. Some of you aren't going to like this. Forgive. The greatest words in the English language are I love you. The second most powerful words in the English language are I forgive you. And we are never more like God than when we love people and when we forgive people. Let's say that again. We are never more like God than when we love people and when we forgive people. The power and the presence of God flows through you when you love them, and it also flows through you when you forgive them. Why? Because love costs sacrifice. Love costs you something. What do you mean, Pastor? When you tell people you love them, you need to do that. Maybe some of you need to forgive some people. Maybe some of you need to go home today and write a note and saying, look, I just want you to know I love you and I forgive you for what you did. It matters. It matters. Here's the final point. We have to live God's love. We have to live it. You know, I mentioned earlier today, if your life was a signpost... What would it say? If I was around you for an hour, what would I see? Who are you? 
What is your life saying? Because at the end of the day, guys, that's what's going to really matter. Friday, I had a phone call to go minister to a family. They don't attend our church, but you'll be glad to know that you've been loving them and helping them, providing food for their family as part of our outreach component, our care component. This family called me and said, we think he's approaching the end. I don't know this man, but I went to the house, and as I walked into the house, his wife obviously is upset. Kids were coming in from around the country, and I walked into the house, and she said, she said Pastor, I don't know if he's going to wake up. I don't even know if he's going to recognize you. He's been, it's been difficult. And I said, well, let me go in and, and, and pray with him. And so I walked in and saw this man who I've never laid eyes on before. And I knelt down in front of his chair and I took his hand and, and I spoke his name and he looked up. He opened his eyes and looked up at me. And he smiled. This guy doesn't know me from Adam. And I said, are you ready to go home? And he smiled and he nodded his head. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? He said, yeah. I said, let me pray with you. And in that holy moment, I was able to pray for that man. Got a text this morning. He had passed away at 1.40 a.m. last night. I said, Pastor, why don't you tell us that? Because we don't know how much time we have. You know, we, we think, well, tomorrow, well, tomorrow, well, tomorrow. And I want you to understand something today. We are not promised tomorrow. We are given right now. And we have to decide as a people what we're going to do with right now. Now, are we going to love right now? Are we going to give forgiveness right now? What are you going to do right now? You need to understand, talking about motivation and manipulation, I am absolutely not trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to motivate you. You say, well, pastor, what's the result if I don't do something like that? Regret. Regret. You know, there's a lot of things I haven't done right in my life, but one of the things I've tried to do diligently my whole life is not live with regret. There are very few things in my life that I have a lot of regret over. There are some, but there's not that many. Why? Because I try to walk in forgiveness. I try to walk in love. I had somebody ask me a couple of days ago, they said, Pastor, how do you love people like you love them? I said, how do you do that? You seem to just love people. How do you do that? I want to tell you how I do it. Because I remember who I was before. The reason it's easier for me to love people is because I remember being the one that didn't feel that way. I was thinking about this yesterday. And I remember who I was when Jesus found me. I remember that. I remember being alone. I remember being scared. I remember feeling like the outcast. I remember the one that just wanted to know. I I wanted to be invisible. I didn't care if anybody saw me. I remember being that person. And so what I do now is I remember Jesus finding me. And Jesus loving me. And Jesus changing me. So the reason it's easier for me to love other people is because I remember what it's like to be that person. Because it's not about me, it's about him. 
And I want to be his hands and feet to love people that were like me. And that's what he calls you to. It's not some special power that you have. It's simply sacrificing your life and bending your knee before God and say, here I am. Do whatever you want to do in my life. Fill me up. Make me the person that you want me to be. Lord, you know it's hard for me to love people. Change me. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you invincible. When Jesus can hang on a cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's power. And when you can be so full of God's love that no one can impact you, that no devil in hell, no person, no incident, when you're so close to God where nothing in the world can impact you because his love is so resident inside of you, you can have that. But you have to surrender your life to him and allow him to fill you that way. But it's up to you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. These three things remain. These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can come together and Lord, I just ask you right now, as as we're all listening to this word, listening to what you bring us, that we would search our hearts today. Lord, that we would be honest with ourselves. And I know there are people right now in this room that that are hearing my voice that if they're honest about their life, they're looking at areas in their life and and maybe they're not patient, they're not kind. You know, maybe there's harshness there. Maybe they realize there are challenges in their life that are keeping them from being the person that you want them to be. I want you to understand right now what God is calling you to do is just to draw close to him. It's not about your effort. It's about his mercy. Remember, he'll never leave you. His love for you is unconditional. It's not about how great you are. It's about how great he is. You need to give him a chance. It's really just about giving him a chance. You know, we can all look at our lives and see areas where there's brokenness. And maybe you're one of those people that said, well, when I get this area fixed, then I'll come to God. When I get this area fixed, then I'll serve. When I get this area fixed, then I'll do whatever it is. It's just a lie. God calls you to come to himself and simply bow your knee before him. All your spots, all your weaknesses, just who you are. And allow him to begin to love on you and begin to change your life. And in turn... Reach out to a world that's around us that needs that kind of love. People need to see true love. There's so many fake things out there. And there's nothing greater than God's love. If you're here today and you're being honest with God, 
and you look at your life and you realize there's some areas in your life where that kind of love is not flowing through you. Maybe there's some strongholds there. There's some brokenness there that you've not allowed God to really have access to. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. Pastor, that's me. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I want to surrender that. And I think there's something very important about us coming to God and just bending our knee before him and letting him do that work in our lives. Letting him clean us up. It's not your job to clean your life up. It's God's job. You just need to be available. If you're here today and you lifted your hand up, maybe you didn't but you know you need to, but you want to make that fresh commitment. You just want to come to God and say, Lord, fill me with your love. Fill me with your mercy. Lord, help me. If that's you, just step out and come down and stand along the front. Anybody that raised their hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to do that. Just come down and stand here. I'm going to pray for you. forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you. God is good. 
Amen. Just step here with me. You guys know, uh, some of you may not know, but uh, little Nash, uh, Dennis's grandson, has been in the hospital a few days and uh, with pneumonia and some different things he's been fighting. So we're going to pray for them as a church family. Dennis has also had a friend that's had a liver transplant. We need to be praying for him. There's something powerful happens when we join our faith together. I want you to understand today, God is still in the miracle working business. Some of you are here because God did a miracle in your life. And so as a church, let's join our faith. Grab your neighbor's hand for me. We're going to pray right now. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that by Jesus' stripes we're healed. And so, Father, we stand in for Nash today, Lord. We just ask you to touch his little body. Lord, heal him. Lord, we call him free from sickness in Jesus' name. We call him healed and healthy and whole. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that smile comes back today. In Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for Dennis's friend that's had the liver transplant. We just ask for no complications. That, Lord, he would be healed. That he would walk in the fullness of his life. That he would live and not die, Lord, and declare your work in his life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Well, I want to let you guys know as I get ready to dismiss you, uh, Wednesday night I neglected to mention three people that are members of our church, and, and, and I felt bad about that the last couple of days, the, the Martins and the Hardens, um, Wanda, and so I have a special gift for you guys, so if you'll come down front. So here's your deal. If I ever, if I ever forget your name, that means you get a prize, so it's kind of cool. Just think about that, but, but I wanted to apologize to them officially, and you guys come down the front when we're done. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, help us to leave this place and be your hands and be your feet to a world that needs you. Father, help us to show them an uncommon love, a love that they don't see around them. Father, help us to truly show them what love looks like and change our world through us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Look at three people, tell them God's love's in them. You guys go eat you some lunch.